with Amy Toy. I am your host. I am a psychic medium, radio show host, uh, YouTube uh, star. Well, not yet, but we'll get there. But uh, we have another star in our show today, and this is a very vital um, information that we're about to talk about. Her name is Reverend Dr. Stephanie Redfeather, and she is a divine feminine change agent and champion of empaths. She's the author of the number one book, The Evolutionary Empath, a practical guide for heart-centered consciousness. Her passion is to help fellow empaths embrace their soul's calling to evolve humanity to the next level of consciousness. Stephanie is the founder of the Blue Star Temple, through which she provides a variety of tools and support for sensitive souls on their journey. Welcome, Stephanie. How are you today? I'm good, Amy. Thank you so much. And um, you have also another modality, um, what is this uh, tradition of Peru that you're, you've studied with? Can you explain yes. a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have always had a leaning towards kind of indigenous practices, shamanic practices. And so a number of years ago, um, I was introduced to a couple who practiced the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of Peru. And through them, I met and studied with the founder's name is Don Oscar Miro Quesada, uh, he studied with two different Peruvian shamans of, of um, northern coastal region and uh, more of the mountainous region. So there are kind of a couple of, you know, like variations on a theme, if you will. So the Pachacuti Mesa tradition is Oscar's blending of these two lineages of the two teachers that he studied with. So Oscar is still in body. He is still doing work. Um, and it just really resonated with me. And um, so I study and practice uh, today in this Peruvian tradition still. And one of the things I love about it is that it's very all-encompassing. Like it doesn't ask you to give up whatever your spiritual or religious beliefs already are. It doesn't tell you that you have to believe these things instead. You know, there there is room, you know, it, it's, a, it's a universal um, system that, that is um, very open to all different practices. Hmm. I like that. Sometimes I'll read the introductions. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have the guest <laughs> introduce that because I'm like, <laughs> right. I have no. I like to learn new stuff too. That's why I love this show. I learn something new every time I interview a guest. So mm-hmm. we are here to talk about your book, The Evolutionary Empath: A Practical Guide for Heart Center Consciousness. So. Let's explain to the the listeners out there about what is an empath and right. what does that embody, okay? Yes, yes. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you that when I sat down to write this book, my spirit guide gave me one directive, and that was to create a definition. Uh, oh. Because the term empath has been around, you know, in spiritual circles and New Age circles for decades. But, right. you know, so most people generally understand what it means, but nobody's really gotten granular on defining it. And so I actually spend two chapters in my book talking about it from different perspectives, explaining what it is, explaining what it's not. And my final definition is actually a paragraph long, the formal definition, because I just couldn't make it any shorter. <laughs> there, were, there were too many things that had to be a part of it. Um, but one of the, the major components of the definition that I want to share that I think is most accessible and, and valuable to people is what I call the five distinct qualities of an empath. Okay. So I'll, I'll share those. So the, the first quality is our ability to merge with and absorb the energy of other beings. And that's anything with life force and not just people, animals, plants, trees, etc. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, this, this stems from a very open personal energy field because when we come onto the planet, we're energetically configured a little bit differently. We tend to be very open. And so this is the quality that can cause us to unconsciously take on other people's emotions and problems and also mm-hmm. cause us to struggle with boundaries. Mm-hmm. The second quality is that we have a highly sensitive nervous system. And so, you know, while that may sound like, um, you know, Department of Redundancy Department, you know, it's like (laughs) (laughs) nervous systems are supposed to be sensitive. Um, It's it's like all of our sensors and receptors got turned up to 200%. And so Mm -hmm. it really makes us prone to overwhelm and overstimulation and Mm -hmm. uh, requires extra vigilant self-care. The third quality is that we have a great sensitivity to the energies around us and an ability to perceive or access subtle information stored in the energy field of all types of life forms. And so this is the quality that makes it easy for us to connect with people on the other side, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. angels, apparitions, the dead, uh, tending towards paranormal experiences, Mm -hmm. uh, being, you know, just incredible, you know, like the work that you do being a psychic or a medium, having, you know, Mm -hmm. wicked intuition, being a medical intuitive, being an animal Mm -hmm. communicator, you know, being a shaman, all of these sorts of things. Um, the fourth quality is the premium that we place on peace and harmony. And that is in relationships, our environment, our own energy field. And so when we're unconscious that we're an empath, this quality, you know, can tend to make us doormats, uh, codependent, not stand up for ourselves because we will do anything and everything to keep our relationships environment as stress-free and, and calm as possible. Mm-hmm. And the fifth quality is our big open heart and a desire to serve others. And so this mm-hmm. often makes us inclined towards careers focused on service. You know, a huge part mm-hmm. of the pe- tribe that I serve, if you will, are uh, energy healers, massage therapists, nurses, hospice workers, therapists, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, I was in the Air Force for 10 years. So clearly wow. there are empaths that are... Um, you know, engineers and computer programmers and and lawyers and bankers and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And this quality, this desire to serve others, if we're not careful, can cause us to overgive and put ourselves Mm -hmm. last on the list. And so, you know, in taking these five qualities in summary, one thing that I want to share with your listeners is you're, you know, it's not like you have to peg all five of these to be an empath. You know, I I don't have a personal line that I draw that says, you're an empath and you're not. So Mm -hmm. I just invite you to recognize that, you know, some of these qualities may express more strongly while others may not. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you're not an empath. I just invite you to listen to your own inner knowing about if this concept resonates with you. Mm -hmm. Well, all of it resonates with me. (laughs) I've had to learn boundaries. I've been of service Mm -hmm. to others. Um, you know, very sensitive to the field, you know, my field around me, you know, absorbing things, feel like I would, you know, hence the word codependency going into another person's field. Um, mm-hmm. had to learn all that. That's part of my story. So what is your story? How did you come on this path or get on this path here? Yeah. Well, I was a very creative, intuitive child. Uh, My mom says that even when I was very young, I could tell when people were upset or uh, needed consoling or something wasn't right. She said I'd crawl up in their lap or, you know, try to reach out in some way. So this was long before I understood adult stuff. You know, I was just intuitively, energetically perceiving um, the disturbance, if you will, in their energy field. I've always been incredibly sensitive to the emotions of people around me. And so for the first 30 years of my life, I didn't know I was an empath. And I felt everybody else's stuff thinking it was my own. You know, Mm -hmm. so I really believed that Mm -hmm. I was just unstable and emotional and overly sensitive and and almost like manic depressive, you know, like one end to the other because you Mm -hmm. leave the house and when you don't, know that you're an empath, you go to, you know, whatever big box store, and by the time you leave, you want to sell your kids, divorce your spouse, and move to another country, you know? Yes, very true. (laughs) 
you know, and, and so it's, um, it can be confounding. It's like, what just hit me? I was fine a minute ago, you know. Um, and so uh, I, I went to a performing arts school, uh, kind of like the TV show Fame, if anybody remembers ah, that. So I yeah. danced and sang and performed and all of those sorts of things. And then uh, my, my parents had gotten divorced when I was eight. So I was living with my mom and visiting my dad and stepmom in the summers and at Christmas. And so in all of the wisdom of a 13-year-old, I decided that for high school, I wanted to go live with my dad and stepmom. And so we did that. And I just naively assumed that we would find a dance studio and, a, you know, some place to yeah. keep doing performing arts. It's like, no. <laughs> you know, the, the value system of my dad and stepmom and, and what was impressed upon me was very much, you know, be practical, be self-sufficient, be resourceful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the way I describe the shift that happened to me, you know, many years later, looking back, and I, I frame this in terms of the masculine and feminine archetypes, you know, I, the, the creativity, the intuition, the empathic qualities pretty much peg the feminine archetypal side of the house. And so my inner masculine, uh, as, as he noticed that my feminine was starting to feel unsafe in the world, rushed in and said, I'll save you and put her in a box and put her away for safekeeping. And mm -hmm. so quite literally through high school, you can kind of chart the feminine expression going down, the masculine expression going up. And by the time it was, you know, my junior year, time to make decisions about what I'm going to do after high school, I choose to get a math degree and become an Air Force officer. <laughs> it's very <laughs> much like, <laughs> yeah, it's like one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> you know? Still the same person, um, but I really just shoved down all of those qualities. And I lived from my masculine self. Uh, up until I left the Air Force. So I was in my early 30s when my spiritual awakening began, which really was precipitated after I left the Air Force. And I spent about a five-year period of time that I call the spiritual crucible, where I was just getting cooked down and cooked down and alchemically transformed into another substance. And I describe it as living 100 years in the space of five because I moved through so much stuff Mm -hmm. And when I came out of the other side, you know, and, and there were multiple themes. It was my spiritual awakening, but it was also a reclamation of the divine feminine within me. It was um, an embracing of my empathic nature and my sensitivities. And so when I got, you know, stepped out of the spiritual crucible, kind of wiped my brow and was like, whew, okay, all right, here I am. I didn't die. You know, what's going on in the world? <laughs> And um, just realized that I had wisdom and I had perspective and I felt like if I could make somebody else's time in the spiritual crucible shorter and less painful and help explain what's happening at a subtle energetic level, my heart was calling me to do that. And so that is what my business was born from. And I've been helping people for over 13 years. Wow. Yeah. We all have to go contrary to what we're life purpose is. I, I can totally relate to that. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> My <laughs> listeners know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Total opposite of what I'm doing now. It's kind of like, are you bipolar, Amy? No, just wasn't living my truth. And it sounds like that's what you were doing <laughs> at that time. Yeah. You weren't living yeah, your truth. Yeah, it's like you have to walk through the opposite of it. And, you know, it's not yeah. like book knowledge or head knowledge where you can no. listen to somebody or read a thing. You've got to viscerally accept experientially move through it to, to get it in your bones. Exactly. And that's, you know, people say, well, but I was this for so many years or I was that. And I'm like, did you learn something from it? Yeah. Okay. Enough mm -hmm. said. Okay. Mm -hmm. Forgive yourself. So let's go a little bit into more of the book, which like I said, I am going to get, I might do the audible, uh, you know, thing on Amazon. So it's going to take till the end of April to get your book, supposedly. Uh, shipped to me. So um, let's talk about the human blueprint. Can you briefly summarize what you mean by that? Yes. Uh, as I was writing this book, I kept getting higher level perspective downloads from spirit. And, and what I really came to understand is that 
where we are in the current cycle of human ascension. You know, we are raising mm-hmm. in consciousness. Time is speeding up. Our vibration is changing. Certain mm-hmm. DNA strands and light codes are activating. You know, empaths come onto the planet with a highly refined set of sensitivities and a, and a slightly different energetic physiology and so I like to think that we are where humanity is headed. And, and more than that, we are here to help humanity evolve to the next level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so I coined the phrase, the empathic big bang, because <laughs> all of us who have been incarnating over the last you know, century to century and a half, we are the ones collectively busting through the wall. Like there's a, a quote from the movie Moneyball that says the first guy through the wall always gets bloodied. And and we are collectively the first ones through the wall getting bloodied because we didn't have the parents, the teachers, the social, you know, mentors to help us understand our sensitivities. They didn't recognize them. They didn't know how to guide us. And so we're the ones bumping into walls, gnashing our teeth and cussing at God, figuring it out to, you know, to make the way for the people coming behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> I was mad at God for a long time. <laughs> I was really pissed at him. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> you talk about, um, in your book, you talk about humanity is in a cycle of ascension. So why don't we talk about that, because we are in such perilous times right now. And a lot of yeah. people might say we're regressing back to anger, hate, war, violence, and conflict. So what do you mean by that? What is your evidence of this ascension phase, which I totally agree with? If if we're going through this, for, there's got to be a reason why we're all going through what we're going through right now. Yeah. Um, for for those who have a science bent or you know have a want to get their geek on, I do have a chapter in my book that is a little more sciencey, and I and I do summarize it at the end for the layperson, where I talk about a grand cycle of time called the Great Year, and it is a twenty four thousand year cycle. Some say it's twenty six thousand. There's a reason for the discrepancy, so whatever model you subscribe to is fine. So for half of that period of time, we're ascending in consciousness. For the other half, we're descending in consciousness. So if you've heard of the Greek ages, the Iron Age, Bronze Age, um, mm-hmm. Silver Age, Golden Age, or if you've heard of the Indian Yugas, Kali Yuga, Dwapara Yuga, Treta Yuga, Satya Yuga, they, they align precisely with the Greek ages. These are different ways of breaking down that 24,000-year cycle. And so the, the ancient wisdom traditions where these timings have been recorded, there's over 30 ancient cultures that document this great year cycle of time. Hmm. And while they don't all point to precisely the exact same day on the calendar, um, and some of that may just be due to our inability to interpret you know, exactly all of that esoteric information, they pretty much all agree we've turned the corner. We are out of the Iron Age. We are into the Bronze Age of ascending. So, you know, the ascending consciousness, time speeding up, all of those things that I mentioned. And so empaths are here because it's time for us again. And I totally, you know, it's a totally fair question of, you know, what's your evidence? It looks like we're moving backwards. How can you say that we're in a period of ascension? And and I have a couple things to say to that. The first one is to offer an analogy. And, and it's apropos right now, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, because we're moving from winter into spring. And if you chart the temperature from winter into spring, it is not a linear progress where each day is a little warmer than the day before. You know, mm-hmm. so I live in Kansas City, and just last week we had a day where it was 72, and the next day it was 38. <laughs> you know, so it, so it goes up and down, but if you chart it over time, the temperature is getting warmer. And so expand that model into a larger period of time, and, you know, we might be up, if you will, in consciousness or expression of consciousness for a year and down for a year, or up for five and down for 10. But if you mm-hmm. chart it over time, if you were able to chart it, you know, pull back and look at the bigger picture, we are ascending in consciousness. The second piece that I want to offer around that is 
um, you know, kind of from a, a Jungian psychological perspective of the shadow. And the shadow is basically the disowned, unloved parts of ourselves. And, you know, it's as within, so without. So it applies to each individual person and it applies to the collective and nations and the planet that as we're doing our healing work, as we're raising in vibration, things that are that have been hidden in the shadow are coming up into the light of consciousness to be released, healed, mm-hmm. transformed, worked with. And so that's a lot of what we're seeing in the world is all of this stuff that has been suppressed and stuffed down is coming up. And if I was coaching an individual client, I would say this may not feel good, but it's actually mm-hmm. a sign of progress and healing because if it's coming up, it's coming up to be healed. Oh, yeah, especially if you've gone through a lot of therapy and working on yourself and you're like, I thought I was getting better and I just feel like I'm getting worse, <laughs> at least in my experience. And uh, a friend of mine's like, well, it's coming up to be healed, so get over yourself. Feel it to heal it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. So what we're talking about on this show, Stephanie and I, we've been through it. We've walked through the fire a mm-hmm. few hundred times probably, and we're like, mm-hmm. you're right. When you said about living a lifetime, you know, uh, in five years, I feel like that, too. I'm like, I could have lived 50 lifetimes. Thank God it's my last one. So anyway, so how can we help people, like empaths like ourselves? So you've determined you're an empath. What are some techniques or tools that you can help empaths right now with what's going on? Yeah, and this is so crucial. And, uh, you know, I devote the entire second half of my book to the rubber meets the road tools because we need to, as empaths, it's it's critical, it's vital that we become aware of our sensitivities so that we can begin to relate to them as an asset and not a liability. And we begin doing that by um, building up our toolbox of ways to manage our energy field and and to become functional and thriving. And so the two biggest concepts that I talk about are basically energy management slash energy hygiene and boundaries. And so, you know, depending on where a person is in their discovery of themselves as an empath and their understanding of energy, you know, I would start by saying, Get to know yourself as an energy being. Start to tune into your bubble, however you relate to the edges of your energy field, your container, your you know cocoon, your sphere, and and develop an intimate relationship with it because it's a dynamic thing. It is it is affected by your internal state and it's affected by things outside of you. And so managing, you know, fortifying those boundaries. Sometimes when you check in with it, it can look like Swiss cheese. Sometimes when you check in, it's gone. It's not even there, (laughs) you know? And so learning to establish and maintain our energetic container is a vital skill. And then managing the energy inside of it, you know, like our sovereign space or, or, you know, if you think of our energy field as the fence around our yard, we still have to maintain the yard. It's like cleaning the house. We've got to dust and vacuum and clean out the closets and do the dishes. And so, you know, we need to manage what we pick up on our energy fields and clear it on a regular basis. And that can be done through a lot of different methods. I, I list a bunch of them in the book. You know, you can smudge and sage yourself. One of my favorite uh, methods is using the breath because you always have breath wherever you go, you know, taking some conscious breaths and exhaling through your feet releasing everything that is not yours or that's not to your highest good out your feet and into the earth to let mother mm-hmm. earth transmute it like manure into fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, energy management, energy hygiene is very important. Mm-hmm. The second thing is boundaries. And, and there's a couple of ways to, to think about one, your boundary being your edge. So what I talked about in terms of managing your field, um, looking for energy leaks and identifying them because we all have energy leaks. And mm-hmm. I talk about uh, two different directions, cave-in leaks and blowout leaks. And I go into great detail about those in the book, managing those leaks, fortifying your edges, and really getting to know yourself. Because as empaths, we tend to drop our anchor in another person and live our lives from their point of view and their perspective. And so part of 
our journey to, to wholeness is pulling our energies back out of other people and keeping them securely inside our own field, reclaiming our sovereign throne and living life, our life centered in our own grounded self. Mm-hmm. Another way to consider boundaries mm-hmm. is drawing boundaries with other people. So that means mm-hmm. saying no, asking for what you need, speaking mm-hmm. your truth. Those can be difficult skills, just depending on what level of codependence you might be operating in, how much of a people pleaser you are, you know, how difficult or easy it is for you to stand up for yourself. Because we're so other focused that the idea of saying no to somebody or disappointing somebody, you know, can can be, you know, frightening um, mm-hmm. because we have no idea how to do that. We just don't have the practice at it. And so those are all essential skills in our sort of bigger picture empath uh, self-care toolkit. That's interesting. I'm going to go back to what you said about um, your sovereign self, because I, like last year, I had one of my exes try to come back and I felt he was invading my personal space, which I feel like it showed me how far I've come. I knew it was mm. mine. It was not my stuff. It was his. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting. It just came to me now. It's like, duh, light bulb. Yeah, this off. is absolutely. It's, it is a great marker of how far you've come for sure. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So people will ask me, they'll call me for a reading, for example, or they're coming for a healing session, and you know it's not their stuff. It's the other person's. That takes a while mm-hmm. to learn discernment. I don't know about you, but that's. Oh, why yeah, I, totally. It took me a while. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah. And, and a tool that I've used with some of my clients, um, ones who especially carry a lot of other people in their energy field, is they would mm-hmm. walk through my office door. I would lovingly send them right back out. I would hand them a bowl of crystals or stones and say, okay, for each person that you're carrying, put a stone or a crystal on the ground. I want you to leave them outside, and I want just you to come into my office. <laughs> and uh-huh. And for so many of them, they're like, this feels weird. <laughs> They're so used to just having this claustrophobic space where they've got everybody, you know, the neighbor's dog and the kid down the street and everybody in their field, you know. Oh, I do know. I lived my first stuff, I think, 30, 40 years of my life dealing with that. And um, it was a miracle when I started uh Casting them away, you know, family members, ex-lovers, ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands, you know, mm-hmm. go away. So it's fun. It's actually, I love being myself. You, you come to that point, yeah. I feel. I love it. I, like, so when you do get invaded, you know it's not yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what a gift to have that discernment, like you said. Yes, yes. So um, is this book only for empaths? Who are you trying to reach out to? I think we know mm-hmm. the answer to that. But yeah. What, well, your... uh, you know, primarily it's for empaths because I really wish I had this book 20 years ago. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so empaths are definitely going to need this. But it's for anybody who resonates with any of these concepts in here. It is for people who are married to or in relationship with empaths. It's for mm-hmm. parents who have empathic children and want to understand, you know, why they're so sensitive or what they're experiencing. Um, you know, the, the sort of unspoken subtitle of this book is Life Skills for an Evolving Species. Because honestly, in my opinion, everything that I talk about in the second half of this book, so, you know, managing your energy field, boundaries, understanding and applying the masculine and feminine principles, embodiment, self-care, getting a good sense of self, those are tools that every human being needs. You know, that is something that can benefit every every one of us. And I just want to mention that in addition to the book, there are eight guided meditations that accompany this book. They're totally free. There's a website in the book that's hosted by the publisher. And these are not just fluffy, float-through-the-cloud kind of meditations. These are good, beefy needy, useful, you know, explorations of, um, you know, getting in greater touch with your physical body and, you know, detecting emotions that are trapped in the body, connecting with your masculine, connecting with your feminine and those sorts of things. 
Hello, my name is Amy Toy, the host of Angel Answers with Amy Toy. Besides being a radio show host, I'm also an intuitive counselor who provides spiritual insight into matters of the heart. Are you confused about your love life? Thinking of getting a new job? Wondering about your purpose and why you are here? I work very closely with not only the angelic realm, but also those who have crossed over to the other side. All sessions are strictly confidential. I also offer long-distance healing sessions using angelic energy. This angelic energy, also known as Integrated Energy Therapy, IET, can be done through Skype or on the phone and helps you get the issues out of the tissues. For first-time clients only, I am offering a 20% discount. You can find me online on amytoyamytoy.com, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or email me at angelicamy35 at gmail.com or simply call 727-514-7323. May the angels carry you through, and this is for entertainment purposes only. Okay, so I'm going to tie in the next question with another question, if forgive me, okay? Let us say you're watching the news and catching a story about tra- a disaster or tragedy, which, you know, us in past, <laughs> we're picking mm-hmm. up on a lot of weird stuff. How does that strike you differently than other people? I, I can um, estimate, you know, I can, I can guess, because for each empath, it's going to hit us a little differently. But in general, as empaths, it's going to influence us more intensely than the, quote, average person especially when it's mass, you know, when it's a group of people, when it is a collective, you know, we, we tend to be generally tuned into the people in our sphere, you know, our loved ones, family, coworkers, close friends. But when we feel something happening on the planet, that can feel incredibly overwhelming because just the, the enormity of it, the intensity of it. Um, I have a friend who that is one of the things that she's very sensitive to. And and when she feels kind of a disturbance in the force, if you will, you know, like she, <laughs> she feels something shift yeah. in her own body where she's like, okay, I know this isn't mine. She will check the news and almost every single time something has happened. And so if we're not careful, especially if we're in what I call the unconscious years, where you don't know you're an empath, where you don't recognize these sensitivities and the, the effect of these influences, it can take us out. Like it can yeah. just render us kind of incapacitated because we process all of that grief, all of that fear, whatever the emotions are through our bodies until we learn how not to. Ah, so can, okay, the, this is the next question I'm going to tie in. Um, can we stop being an empath? I know the question, answers of that question. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah. my, my answer is no. And I don't want people to go, oh, well, crap, you know, I'm stuck with this affliction, you know, because you can, you can learn to adjust the dial with all these tools that I've talked about and that are in the book. You can learn to manage your field so that they don't affect you as strongly, that they don't take you out, that you don't get the full force of them, that you learn to deflect or process or manage, you know, but... But being an empath, I believe, is something that we, it was a choice made at a soul level. And then we're born into a body, and then there's several factors that determine if those things are going to get turned on and to what degree, you know. So part of it is just human will. We might get here and go, no way, <laughs> not doing it, Yeah. And, and and another piece is going to be the family we're born into and the influence of our upbringing and, you know, how open or closed or understanding or not our circle of influence is, is we're internalizing the messages of our upbringing. And so there's multiple things that are going to influence the degree to which these things express or don't. Mm. Yeah, that's why I wanted to tie it in a little bit because, you know, some people are saying, oh, you know, I want to just, I don't want to do this. I don't, but you can't. It's just, it's a part of you. I've learned that a long time ago. It's just a part of me, like my shadow self. There's parts of me I love and parts of me that I've learned to accept. It's right. easier that way. Resistance is futile, as they say. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what you resist persists. And so if you exactly. continue to deny it, 
you know, like you said, with shadow. I mean, the, the way I relate to shadow is that just because you suppress or didn't deny or ignore a thing, it doesn't go away. It is mm-hmm. constantly and always going to be seeking expression. But when you shove it down and pretend it's not there, it's going to express itself inappropriately at inappropriate times and inappropriate ways. <laughs> and so if you can bring it into the light and accept it and welcome it back into the fold, it's not going to have that, you're not going to have that adversarial relationship with it. Mm. Yes, it's it's just so much easier if you just accept things. But, it, you know, everyone has their own process. I mean, mm-hmm. to become a psychic guy wasn't easy. They were trying to get me back into the fold, so to speak, and then I had a third near-death experience. So take it from me. You don't want to go that route, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) You really don't. Um, Let's talk about the first chapters entitled, You Are Not Crazy. So, which I get a lot of calls because, like like I saw, people will call me and say, I'm picking up on this individual or that, and they think they're crazy because it's not their thoughts. So you talk about some unhealthy aspects of being an empath. Can you give uh, some examples of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's just the way human development goes that we unconsciously build our uh, persona, you know, based on the influences of our childhood. So we're making unconscious decisions about things and our beliefs and behaviors, you know, start to develop. And so almost always we're, we're born as an unconscious empath, meaning we don't know that we're an empath. We don't understand these sensitivities. And so when we're in that space, we're almost always going to live from the unhealthy aspects of these qualities. That's just the way these things unfold. And so um, losing ourselves in relationship, codependent, Mm -hmm. taking on everybody else's feelings and emotions, thinking that they're your own, feeling Mm -hmm. like it's your responsibility to solve other people's problems, not being able to figure out where you end and the next person begins, Um, not having a strong sense of self, not being grounded in your own self or even knowing what you like or or think or believe that's really your own because it's so easy to absorb everybody else's. We tend to be other-centered to the point that we abdicate our own throne and go drop our anchor in another person and we don't even know that we've done that. So that's just you know, a sampling of some of the unhealthy experiences that we can have when we don't know we're an empath. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so it's always good because people are awakening up, awakening right now with everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for answers outside of like, why is this happening to me? So Yes. So, you know, there's other books. Are there other books on this subject and what sets yours apart? I have I know the answer to that one too, but yeah, <laughs> go yeah. ahead. There there are other books and, and it's um it's a sign that it's time for this information to come out that people are ready for it, that they're looking for it and asking for it. Most of the resources out there focus on the tools and skills, which are absolutely vital. And, and, you know, a good chunk of my book is focused on that as well. But I think what sets mine apart is this bigger picture cosmic perspective of, you know, the great year, this grand cycle of time where we are in the cycle of human ascension and that empaths are here on purpose for a reason because it's time. We're here to help humanity move to the next level of consciousness. And so I believe one of the gifts I bring is context. And so the first half of the book is this bigger picture perspective. It's going into detail about the definition. And I interviewed a whole bunch of people. So there's there's other people's real life experiences in the book that that helped readers, um, you know, find similar qualities and go, okay, I'm not alone. Somebody else experiences this too. So it's it's setting up that bigger picture perspective, which for me is invaluable because in troubled times, I can rely on that perspective, and it and it keeps me connected to my motivation and my inspiration 
to that I'm here for a reason, that there's a bigger cosmic mission, a bigger perspective, and that, you know, that helps me stay um, light, lighter, if you will, as, a, as opposed to falling into despair and wondering what's the point. Mm-hmm. So now that we've discovered we're an empath, how does being an empath manifest itself physically? Yeah, that could be a bunch of different things. Again, because each empath, their their specific set of sensitivities is, is going to be unique. So for mm-hmm. some people, you know, I'll, I'll point out the sensitive nervous system that I spoke of. For so many of us, um, it can manifest physically as constant overwhelm or overstimulation, where you just feel like everything is on your last nerve. You know, mm-hmm. sensitivities could be sensitivity to light, different light mm-hmm. frequencies, you know, fluorescent lights. Uh, it could be electromagnetic fields of all different kinds from electronics, from power lines, etc. Mm. It could be sound, um, you know, like the, the, the loudness or just mm-hmm. background noises and beeps and clicks and things, you know, in the home. Um, so it can show up, you know, that can manifest physically harmfully, if you will. So that this takes some learning to get to know yourself so that you can interpret your body's signals of I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm my vibration is lowering, my my container boundary is starting to collapse. You know, you, you can start mm-hmm. to develop those um understandings so you can apply the right self-care prescription, if you will, to to help yourself stay healthy. Um, it can manifest as really codependent relationships or being Mm -hmm. people pleasers or um, not being able to advocate, stand up for yourself, speak your own truth, do what everybody else wants you to do. I mean, there's many, many, many ways that this can outpicture. Yes, it can. Listen to your bodies, listen to your emotions, get to know yourself. That's the best Mm -hmm. advice I can tell anyone out there. So how does being an empath affect your personal relationships? Can living with an empath be difficult? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <my> Sorry. That's why he's yeah, and it and it all comes down to consciousness. You know, if you're the empath and you don't know you're an empath, mm-hmm. then you haven't learned enough about yourself to recognize what you need, what's good for you, what's not good for you, how to draw boundaries, how to, you know, what what things to ask for, what kind of support you need. If you're the person in relationship with an empath and you don't know what an empath is, it you know you might, there might be a lot of judgment building up. Like God, why are you always so sensitive? Jesus, would you just grow a thicker skin? Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. this is not that you know. And so it's it's hard when you don't have that same set of experiences, right. and so it can be very challenging. And so it requires you know I would say empath or not. Or if you've got one person in the relationship who's an empath and one who's not, whatever the configuration is, it takes both people doing their inner work mm-hmm. and communicating with each other. That's very important, especially guys. Hello. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> they get all, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I have stories about that, but I'll, I'll hold back. Um <laughs> You know, I understand this is your first book. So, did you? Why did you write this book? Right now, why do you think you wrote it at this time, at this juncture? Yeah, it, it was just time. I, I have a half a dozen books in me, and I actually started to write another book first, and realized that wasn't supposed to be my first book. So I started working on this one. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, I also sought advice from mentors. Uh, one of my mentors has written close to a dozen books. And she said it can be, you know, like you don't want your first book to be a memoir or a story about yourself because most of the time, if you haven't done something notable, people don't care, <laughs> you know, I about like your that. personal story. They they care about it later after you've done some cool things or, you know, are known for something or have a modality or whatever. And so I realized that this book needed to be about what, you know, I mean, certainly it's going to come from my personal experience. But it was important to give tools. And, and like I said, I needed this book 20 years ago. 
You know, I, I know that, that there are so many people out there needing guidance and support and acknowledgement and validation. And, and it was just, you know, the divine right timing. Mm-hmm. You've now written a book on the evolutionary empath. Does that mean you have fully evolved as an empath and is your work done? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I knew the answer to that question. Too, right, but <laughs> right. Yeah. We're never done no, till we're I mean, done. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean my belief system is, you know, it's a journey and not a destination. And and I have learned, you know, cuz there were a couple of times kind of after I stumbled out of the spiritual crucible and I'm like, "Whoo, you know, all right, I made it." And then you kind of stand at the top of the hill with your hands on your hips like what else could there be, you know? And it's like, don't never, invite that. <laughs> yeah. Never ask that question in my experience because usually they're like, oh, you want more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's always more. There's always a yeah. deeper level. There's always, you know, it's, it's life is a spiral path. There's always, as one of my teachers says, another swoop to the loop. There's always a, a greater level of depth or height, however you want to look at it to go mm-hmm. to with any concept, with any relationship, with any teaching, with any experience. Yep. Yeah, I, I learned a long time ago, never asked that question, is there all there is to this? And I'm saying that spirit <laughs> as an example. I don't want to know when. <laughs> sorry, and, sorry, I didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I always qualify that because I'm like, yeah, I know you guys are listening, my spirit guides and angels, so. <laughs> Just saying, uh, I learned how to qualify things. I'm an ex-paralegal, so (laughs) make sure I look at all the (laughs) Make it sure. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm good. Okay. (laughs) Obviously, there are people who are impasse and don't know it. Are they in some ways a lost soul? Because you talk about reclaiming your identity as a necessary component for impasse. At some point, were you feeling lost and needing to reclaim your identity? Are you reclaiming your identity saying, I am an empath, and more importantly, knowing what an empath is? Yeah. So I, lost soul might be a little bit strong of a term, but I know that a lot of empaths and sensitive souls feel lost. And and that is contributed to a lot of times by the judgment and the isolation and, and sometimes even persecution that we feel uh, as a result of our sensitivities. And so, as I've spoken to a couple of times, our pattern tends to be that we abdicate our own throne and we live from the perspective of other people's point of view. We're other-focused. And so, reclaiming our identity is really that piece of calling our energies back to ourselves, re-inhabiting our own sovereign field, coming back to sit in our own throne, rule our own kingdom from a a grounded, centered place. And that just, it takes time because it is, um, tends to be more, I hate to say natural, but we've been used to Abdicating our throne, leaving our field, you know, going out to somebody else's energy field and setting up shop there. It takes practice to learn to stay contained inside ourselves, and that's where we're going to find our identity, not in another person, but in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once you find yourself, you don't want to lose yourself again, in my experience. I'm like, yeah. okay, it's cool. I like being myself. Why mm-hmm. did I let these other... I don't want to say parasites. <laughs> Some of them are coming to my field. Just my opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> so being an empath, is it a curse or a gift? I think it all just depends on perspective and consciousness. Because I think as an empath, both experiences can be true. You know, we can feel mm-hmm. like it's a curse until we begin to understand ourselves, build up our toolbox, and relate to our qualities as gifts, to learn how to use our powers for good, if you will, you know, to to recognize that they are valuable, even though the majority of the world may not find value in them yet. That's part of being a way shower is showing the way and being a minor being a minority and kind of being the black sheep in our families. But I, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. believe that these set of qualities are a gift. I feel they are, too, because you have compassion and empathy for others, and 
and when you learn boundaries, it's um, once you learn discernment and boundaries, it gets a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It does get, in my opinion, it's gotten a lot uh, better for me. Thank you, God. Yeah I, yeah, I like how you call that the spiritual crucible. I call that going, walking through the fire, a couple hundred mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. burning my feet as I'm doing it. So, so Stephanie, where can people find your book? And where they can find you. Yes. So my website is bluestartemple.org. Uh, so, you know, I do accept um, a limited number of clients. Like I only have space in my schedule for so many at a time, but I do work with clients. I have a lot of products on my website and many more in development. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to interact with me. Uh, you can find my book any place where books are sold. So if you like buying them online, uh, you like going into the store to purchase them, there's also the audio book that's available. So wherever you like to buy books, you can find mine. It is, um, it, when it was released, it went to number one on Amazon US, UK, Canada, and Australia. It is a bestseller for the publisher. Um, it is It is impacting a lot of people, and I'm very grateful for that. Yes, like I said, I'm just going to try to order the paperback from Amazon. It's going to be till April 22nd or something. So I'm like, I'll just do audiobooks. I think I can. That would be good. Yeah, while I'm working around the house here since I had time. So, Stephanie, thank you for coming on today. It was a pleasure. I'm looking forward to your next book. I'm sure you have um, a few more coming pretty soon, huh? I do, and I'm currently working on an empath oracle deck. Oh, cool. That would be really cool. Well, so thank you thank so you much, for, Amy. Oh, thank you for coming on. You have a blessed day. And, of course, this is Amy Toy with Angel Answer with Amy Toy signing out. And may the angels carry you through to next week. Look upon.